Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Sydney Coach Replay Show. This is season two, episode two, and I'm so excited that you are listening or watching with us, whether this is live or you are catching us when it's a time more convenient for you. I want to welcome you to the show. Uh, I'm super excited today because I've got two of my best friends and colleagues. We were just laughing a minute ago because I was like, before we go live, I need to catch my breath because I just like ran up the stairs to like put on some powder and ran back down and I'm out of breath. And so we were all trying to pull ourselves together right before the show. <laughs> um, but I, let me introduce my friends. They've been on the show before. Um, we like to call ourselves the Sydney Moms. It's not all of the moms here at Sydney, but uh, we from our from our main departments. And so Jenny Selfridge, Lindsay Smith, welcome to the Coach Replay Show Season 2. Hey, Corey. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Corey. Hey, Jenny. Yeah. So, um, so today I've asked y'all to come back on the show and talk with me a little bit um, with our educators, our listeners about how as educators, what are some tips and things we can share with families who have online learners, maybe because everybody is remote at this time, or if your district maybe gave the option like mine did. Um, but how can we help our families, our guardians, our parents feel successful in their role in supporting at-home learning? Um, I know it's been a big question. We've seen a ton of these questions come in from our friends um, and family members, as well as a lot of the educators that we work with are trying to figure out, in addition to how they can support learners, what tips can they give to families? If you've been on Pinterest or any, you know, any Facebook or any social media, you've probably seen a lot of pins and posts about checklists and um, these really beautiful, hyper-organized, color-coded, color-coordinated spaces um, that are kind of flooding your feed here. And it's because a lot of people are looking at, do I need a school desk? Um, do I, you know, need chairs? What types of things do I need? And while those things are awesome, um, they're not always practical or functional for learning from home. So we're going to kind of um, help you help families, um, or if you are a, a parent yourself looking at how to support this, we've got some tips for you. As moms um, of kids of various ages with various kind of works right now. So mine are, I've got a kindergartner, a third grader, and a fifth grader this year who will be learning online this whole first semester. And I work from the home. So um, there's going to be Monday mornings at 9 a.m. All four of us are going to be Zooming. So I don't know how that's going to work as far as bandwidth, but um, we'll we'll be working with the school's schedule on top of my schedule. Jenny, tell us, tell us a little bit about your kind of setup and arrangement this year with your kids. So I have five still schooling at home. And so I have a fourth, fifth, sixth, eighth, ninth grader. Um, and so we also are starting on Monday. And um, one note about our school district started, uh, I, I homeschool mine, so just from home. So we're not connected to any district right now, but our district did start school this week and took out internet in the whole town. So- <laughs> Right. I'm sure they're rolling out, you know, so, you know, a lot of flexibility, right? Like we're going to talk a lot about flexibility in our schedule. Lindsay has a, a great tip for that, that she's going to get into. But, you know, when that went south on them, I thought about that on, you know, it was on Tuesday when they started and, and all of a sudden nobody in, whole, in the whole town had internet. 
and how they had to roll with that, right? Like they're still teachers. These are still students. We still had to make something work. And so whether they had to get on the phone or whether whatever they had to do, um, that it still rolls. So sometimes with technology, it's not going to go seamlessly. Sometimes with children, it's not going to go seamlessly. And sometimes as a mom, it doesn't go seamlessly. So right. you know, being prepared to have those plan Bs, um, I think is going to be, you know, especially when, when you're together all the time, like we have been for so long now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then Lindsay, tell us a little bit about your setup this year. Yeah. So my son is going into his pre-K year and um, he had started with preschool last year. Of course, that's not in the cards for us this year. Um, and to start with, there's not a virtual option. So I am embarking on a homeschool journey um, this fall and we'll just uh, sort of see how that goes. But of course, I work from home, too, um, which, you know, I've done with him since he was a baby. But certainly this year will be looking quite different for all of us um, for lots of different reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I did the the preschool from home, working from home thing with my now kindergartner last year. And it was interesting to kind of keep her engaged on that preschool curriculum. And, um, and, and I think it makes a difference on if you're homeschooling or there's a little bit more flexibility on the pace and place that your students do it versus it sounds like this year our districts, um, we start Monday, will be much more structured and there'll be specific times that they have to log in and do specific things throughout the day instead of just like a morning meeting and an afternoon meeting. And so that's another complexity within our schedule. So we're definitely going to talk about scheduling it, it all and helping um, where we can, how, what door tips for parents to help help their learners be independent and successful as possible, and then also the role that they can take with supporting them. But I want to go back to, again, when I was kind of looking for some ideas and thinking, okay, this feels a lot more permanent this time around. In March, it felt like this is just like, we just got to get through this month and then we'll be back in school. And then it was okay, another month and all right, we'll go through the summer and then next fall we'll be back to normal. Well, mm -hmm. feels a lot more permanent now. Um, so I was kind of looking and thinking, and I've talked to Jenny and I talked to Lindsay about some ways that I think now that I'm kind of settling into, all right, this is going to be our norm for at least the unforeseeable future. Um, what are some things that I might need to, like I talked with Judy for a long time about maps and I was like, I'm going to get a wall map. And she's like, well, I've got a place mat. So then they can put it away and they can take it out. And I was like, genius. But we're all kind of looking for these things. And again, Pinterest is full of these really gorgeous rooms that have been transformed into a homeschool room. And so let's start there with the learning space. What really needs to be in a home learning space? Ladies, do y'all have any tips for that? I would say for us, <clears throat> we work all, all around the house. I mean, and at this point with um, us being kind of quarantined in our homes a little more, um, a lot more, uh, finding different spaces so where they're not working the whole day in one space. And so that's very helpful. They also like to work together at the dining room table or they like to work with me while I'm working. Um, but being flexible with those spaces and in terms of needs for things, just like with the map on the wall, like it's nice to have a map on the wall, but there's also a placemat of the president's and the multiplication mm -hmm. table, like placemats are a big thing around here. And so being able to have those kind of things that they can tuck away, because another thing is you don't want your school to become your whole living room, dining room, mm -hmm. house. And that's very easy. I know, Corey, you'll talk a little bit about 
putting things away at the end of the day because you don't want to feel like it's here all the time. Kind of like when you made that transition to work from home and all of a sudden you were working all the time because it was right there in front of you and available. And you kind of don't want to do that to them with school because they don't want to see school all day long. Definitely. Yeah, I love, yeah, um, I love, I, I think maybe I just sort of need it. My, my son responds well to not having one specific place that we work all the time, um, just like for me in my work or for him with school stuff. Um, so we like to kind of move to different rooms and different spots like throughout the day. It just helps kind of keep it fresh for us, honestly. But um, I do think there's value in supplies having a spot and then you can move those supplies throughout the day if you need a, a change of pace or whatever um but I, I love the ideas of supplies having a spot and so that feels kind of organized and compartmentalized and it's not chaotic um that way yeah i mean and again let's let's be honest and and i have a, a space it's originally the dining room it was too small for our big dining room table which is where I'm sitting now um because sometimes I work I work from the dining room table or I'm in the sunroom or um you know sometimes I'm working from the couch if it's late at night I don't have any meetings but I move myself around based off of kind of where I need to be and um we turned our mudroom type area into kind of the learning home base mm -hmm. where there's a table there for them to work and that's probably where they'll start out during the day but when we're all four on zoom meetings we all four need to be in a different space and spread out so we don't hear each other's even if they have their headphones on they're still at some point going to be talking and that's going to distract me mm -hmm. um it's going to be where i bring my kiddos who are struggling with staying focused back but otherwise you know we did this last spring, they will, you know, go and work in a comfortable, more comfortable chair than the bar stools that I've got in there right now mm -hmm. for the counter table. Um, so one of the things that I have that I kind of identified as an essential thing is a clipboard. And this year I got my kids some fun clipboards. You know, I think I got these at like the target bin or something or staples, but they each have their own clipboard. And this is where if they've got to be doing any kind of writing material, they've got it here. Um, we do checklists to kind of keep them going. So I found these great wipe on, wipe off, but you don't need, not a necessity, but this is the thing that's gonna save my life this year as far as this portable learning space. When they move out of that room where they're gonna keep all of their devices charged and all the materials are gonna be housed in the mm -hmm. bins, this is their like move around the house bin. They can set their computer in here and their clipboard and they can go sit in the living room or go sit in the kitchen window and or outside on the porch and they've got something to kind of contain and keep their pencils from rolling all over the place. I love that. Yeah, so, and then just really thinking about identifying a few spaces in your house where they can move around, where there's an outlet nearby that maybe has some good lighting and is quiet, maybe not in front of the TV, or if it is in front of the TV, the TV's off. Those types of things are helpful for families just so they can um, kind of just feel comfortable in their own environment. It's flexible seating, right? You've got <laughs> yeah. seating in the yep. classroom. Let's see yeah. um, I think there's so many, like, um, there's, if you're you're at home this year and you didn't plan to be, there's a lot of negatives there, right? So I think it just does us all a, a service to try to take advantage of any perks that might happen to come along with this negative situation, you know? So if one of those is like your kid can like make a reading nook full of pillows in the corner and like do their little lesson from there, 
I mean, if that's going to get us through the day, like let's not pass up that opportunity, you know? Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, and my, my uh, eight-year-old, we just got her a new bookshelf in her room because her old one was, you know, running out of space. And we found this free one from a friend who was like the paint's peeling. So we sanded it and we painted it and we put it in her room and she organized all the shelves really cute. And so she's like, can I sit here and do my Zoom meetings with that in the background? So it looks like they can see my my room library. Oh, <laughs> so cute. you know, she's proud of her space. I think that's mm -hmm. important to you. If kids are going to have to turn on their cameras, I want to make sure they feel comfortable. And so the space, having some good spaces behind them or me as a mom, if they're going to work in the kitchen, I'm like, okay, the window has to be behind you because don't you dare show anybody how dirty that counter is this morning. <laughs> right. <laughs> I need people to feel like I got it put together. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just kind of thinking through some of those and identifying them. You know, we used to do that in, in school world back in the day. Um, the librarian at all of my kids' schools have always sent home kind of a like a social contract of, all right, we'll be taking home our first our library books for the first time next week and identify a spot where you're going to keep that library book, a safe place, write it down, make sure that when you're done reading it, it goes back to that spot. It might be your backpack, it might be your nightstand, but know where you're going to keep that book and keep it safe and out of hands of others. And 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 so that's pretty much the same thing to do here. I think if, if as teachers, we can help families know like, hey, you might want to think about a few spaces in these first few days that work well and the spaces that don't work well and talk with your kiddos about that. So then the next big topic that um, a lot of people struggle with, with the, and I'm still working it out. Sometimes I've, I'm on top of it. Other times it's just not working for, for me is, is time management and this idea of kind of like scheduling our day um, for at-home learners. Now, Jenny and Lindsay, you're both homeschooling, so you get to determine the schedule for your kids and can they kind of have them flex around your work schedule. Um, I have two schedules. I've got their specific schedule they have at each of the three grade levels plus mine that we'll be kind of each week having to review and see like when we find some time together where we're not all in a meeting. And uh, yeah, so so what tips do you have for folks around scheduling through the day? Well, I have this, uh, I've just sort of arrived at this um, memory that's helping me right now with my scheduling. I think it was actually just chatting with Jenny one day after work and we were both kind of like, oh man, how are we going to make this work? And um, we were talking about schedules and we need to kind of try to build a, a daily schedule, but we were both talking about the challenges with that when both like the school and the work day, you know, have some un unpredictability with them and not every day is exactly the same. Um, and I just had this flashback to when my son was a newborn and I um, you know, of course, actually, even prior to him being born, I was reading all of these different newborn care books. And um, some of them were real, like, you don't need to have a schedule. And I was like, oh, that's not me, you know. And then, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, well, um, like heart attack, you know. Um, and then some of them were like, this is the schedule and you cannot deviate from it. And I was also very stressed out by that idea. And then I found this one that was exactly such a good, it appeared to be a good fit for us. And then it really was. Um, and they talked, it's called Moms on Call, and I recommend it to every new mom. <laughs> um, but um, 
they talk, they have these very clearly laid out schedules and they, you know, have it for every little stage of development through that time. Um, but their whole philosophy is here's the schedule. And on most days you should try to hit that schedule. Um, but you should also not let it completely ruin, you know, or rule your life. And if you end up, you know, lunchtime gets, you know, this feeding gets pushed back or this nap time gets pushed here or it gets shorter or whatever, um, that's okay. And you just roll with it that day. Um, but, and if that happens, you know, a couple of times throughout the week, that's still okay. But the whole idea is that you can only successfully deviate from a schedule um, and you should deviate sometimes, but you can only successfully do that if you have a norm to return to um, after that deviation. And that was just such a help to me when I had a newborn. Um, but remi- remembering that and applying it to this idea of working and school and, um, you know, even if it's just talking about, um, you know, as a teacher, preparing your families to prepare for what this virtual school day might look like, I think just giving that allowance, like structure is important and you should have structure because it makes sure that you hit all these important things and that you've identified the best times to do those things. But recognizing that every day is not going to look like that. Um, and also recognizing that you can go back and attempt that the next day, you know? So, so that's where I'm trying to land mentally with that right now. Right. Right. Jenny, what's your approach to scheduling um, with all of the different individuals in your household who need to be on task at different things throughout the day, plus your school, your work schedule? Well, we, we schedule around a couple of different things. Um, you know, my older ones who need the device. So we're like, we'll have to trade off devices sometimes. And so we'll schedule around that as well as um, just making sure that I'm available when they need me. So sometimes when you work at home and school at home, which a lot of us find ourselves doing now, um, we want to prioritize work, which is super important, but we need to recognize that our kids can't wait until five o'clock. And so we need to have those times in the days that prioritize them. So I know Corey and I, you, we have talked about blocking our lunch time. So we do some school at lunch and we always eat lunch together. We always you eat breakfast together. Like those meal times make a great time to just check in with your kids, make sure they're on task. Um, and also learning, you know, it, it's a skill. Like working at home is a skill. Just like when, if you came from an office to home and all of a sudden you're like doing laundry in your work day and stuff, you had to, you had to realize at some point you can't get it all done. And so figuring out what are those things. And of kids, of course, those kid things are going to have to rise to the top, right? of what is it I need to do with my kids during the day while still getting work done. And so prioritizing those things um, help. And then I block those off my schedule and then I can work around those times. But even when I'm working, they can be at the table with me. They can stop and ask me questions. They can, I mean, there's certain times they can't, but for the most part, I can still be available. Um, but as they get older as well, they're not nearly as, they don't need me near as much. And so that's, yeah. that's helpful too. <laughs> Yeah. And one thing that I learned from you, I think my first attempt at a schedule was, um, you know, I started out with kind of these like big blocks and then I was like, and then from 830 to 845, we're going to have a family meeting and then we're going to go for a walk from 845 to nine o'clock. And then, we're, you know, I had this very, and it was all color coded and I still use that Mm -hmm. kind of structure, but I've lumped them some things together. So that way, 
you know, we might do our, our meeting about our day, just kind of laying out our day together, which is a really great skill to teach your kids to do. Um, so some of these things that you might not have done in the past for yourself, but you find that you, because you've got multiple people, you're needing to do these. These are going to be things that are going to be helpful for everyone. Mm-hmm. But um, I strongly recommend having a time in the morning and then lunchtime is my other time throughout the day just to say, what are we tackling this morning? Okay, today's your morning meeting day. So some of my kids last year met every other day for a morning meeting at 10, um, while another one met every day. Um, the same is going to be true for my kindergartner. She's only half day kindergarten. And so um, I got the schedule yesterday from the kindergarten teacher that they'll have a whole class meeting at nine and a whole class meeting at 11 for their half day. And then in between that, she'll be meeting in small groups with them. And then there's going to be times where they will be offline, like off screen and doing some work. And so, and she was very great at saying like they're kindergartners. So their attention span is, you know, about the same as their age uh, in minutes. And um, it's, you know, it's okay if they're not staying on task, like they need to have breaks and they need to move around and please feel free to let them do that throughout the day. And if you're having trouble, keeping them kind of on task and feeling like they're maybe falling behind, let me know. Um, So I thought that was a really great thing. So as educators, those are things we can tell families that Mm -hmm. here's the times that you can make sure you put on your, like, these are my priorities as an educator with your students. We need Monday morning meetings. Um, Our district has also said, you know, get logged into that Zoom meeting five minutes before the class meeting starts. So you're not showing up a little bit late, gives you a five minute window to be late. Um, And then so we can all kind of start right on time. And so I think those things are helpful. And just, again, letting families know that our expectation is not that the kid's going to be glued to their screen all day long, um, that they do get to move around um, because some of our families don't, don't know that, right? Some of our parents aren't quite sure about what those expectations are. And one thing thing I really recommend, yeah, go ahead. To note, Corey, of what you just said is because you have multiples that need to be doing multiple things, a, a master calendar. You need to know when they, because if you leave them all separate, I've noticed at least with mine, if I leave them all separate and I don't know what each one of them are doing next to each other, that's when like the devices get messy or the, those kind of things are, or I'm, I'm busy on a time I need to not be busy. Um, so just seeing it all at a glance on one master calendar is super helpful as you're prioritizing. Yeah, definitely. Lindsay. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I was talking to a good friend of mine who just started virtual learning this week with her three kids. And so um, her husband is working from home. She's, you know, doing virtual learning with all three kids and they are in different grades and have different schedules. And she was like, well, this week did not go well. You know, like it it was crazy. And she's like, I was feeling this all rest on my shoulders um, in terms of how to problem solve this. And then she had the epiphany, like, hey, this is a family issue, and I should invite these kids of mine in to helping to come up with solutions around this. Um, And I think as educators, that's a great thing to remind and encourage families to do, um, because number one, that helps out the person who is sort of the the ringmaster, right? But um, man, talk about not missing an opportunity to 
help little people become problem solvers and solution seekers and critical thinkers and like the math involved in like lining up these times. And I just think, um, you know, if we empower, also there's greater buy-in to some solutions when, you know, kids are part of those solutions. And so like really having to think critically about like, well, I have to do this at this time and my brother has to do this and my mom's doing this. So how are we going to make this work? And I might have to offer up some give and take here. I mean, those are amazing skills, you know? So I, I think Absolutely. as educators, we should, we should encourage folks to, yeah, make this a, a group solution. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, as educators also coming back and kind of reevaluating at the end of the first week, at the end of the second week, maybe that's a survey I send out to families. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's um, just a conversation. I have a whole group with my class. How's it going? How are you managing your time? Um, where are you finding it's hard to focus? You know, those mm -hmm. types of things can all be really helpful. So um, I'm also a big fan of like a, a nightly checklist. And we talked a little bit about this earlier this week. And so um, this is where I'm going to bring in again, don't forget, you can download the um, this this resource I'm going to share here on my screen, but um, we've got the checklist kind of embedded in this. So this is from the notes and takeaways for this episode. If you're listening on a podcast, you can find this in the show notes. Um, but one of the things we've got some of our tips, we're going to talk about supporting learners in a minute, but things at the end of the school day, if you're doing virtual online learning, these are good things to remind parents to do. Maybe this is the thing that you share with them is make sure that, you know, do a, do a quick check or have your student check through and make sure they've, you know, submitted all their assignments online or um, completed everything they were supposed to do for that day. Then um, put away those learning materials and plug in your devices. So they start out tomorrow at 100% charged. Um, and then take a look at that schedule and think about, you know, is there anything different happening tomorrow? Maybe I have a meeting on my calendar during a time when I'm usually needed with my kindergartner. So how are, how are we going to, as a family, come together and make sure she has the support she needs if I'm going to be in a meeting or, um, you know, any changes that we might need to make to that day because we've got a, a dentist appointment or something like that. And then if you can prepare materials, this is one of yours, Lindsay, if you can prepare those materials ahead of time, um, you know, even packing a lunch and putting it in a lunchbox, even though you're from uh -huh. home, that's those things can just help our sanity as as parents and as families. And again, this some of these things might not be things that our families are thinking about because they're not working virtually as well, like plugging in a device every night, those types of things can be very, very helpful. So um, let's talk about the the next thing um, as we kind of wrap up for today's episode. And that's really the role of the family in supporting the learning. And here's the thing I, I want to really make sure that um, teachers share with our families. Because um, a lot of parents are like, I don't know fifth grade math. Like it's changed so much. I don't know that's that whatever strategy because I don't. Um, <laughs> You don't have to be the home teacher unless you're like a Jenny and a Lindsay and you're homeschooling. <laughs> um, you don't have to become the teacher, have a degree in education or child development. You are the parent and that relationship is the most important relationship. So how can you support your child to be successful in whatever they do? And some of the tips we've shared already in this episode around problem solving and helping them identify when they're on and off task and those executive functioning skills around, you know, working with the schedule 
those are the things that I think as parents, that's kind of where I see my role. I see myself as maybe a learning coach in, um, you know, hey, have you asked your teacher for extra help? Or did you put that question in there? Or did you check, are you, are you using your checklist? Um, I don't have to necessarily understand the content and know the content, and it doesn't work in my household. I can teach many kids. I cannot teach my own kids, at least not this stage <laughs> of my life or their life. They, they're like, right. Mom, what do you know for real? <laughs> Where are your credentials? Yeah, exactly. Mom, how about Dad teaches me these angles today? So that's fine, whatever. Uh, but like, it, it puts a ton of pressure on me if I do feel like I have to know those things. So Last semester, especially, I at the beginning would email the teacher and then I started saying, you know what, my kid's in fourth grade, he can email his teacher through the Schoology instead of getting an email from me. So um, kind of helping them be self-directed and independent and seeking out support as well is really where I kind of focused in. What do y'all think about that role in supporting the learning from home? Um, one thing I think that you made a really good point of the other day, Corey, was uh, that this is going to be new to a lot of teachers and that mm -hmm. there needs to be a lot of grace given towards the teacher. They're going to be doing the best they can. There's going to be a learning curve for them. Lindsay and I taught virtually after teaching in a regular classroom for years. And that transition from a classroom to a virtual classroom is a, is a, is a pretty big learning curve. And so giving mm -hmm. them kind of the grace and the 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 space to kind of make mistakes and to try something different and to have to, you know, amend it and, and, and try something new. But then also for your learners, if you if this is the first time your learners are learning from home, it's a bit, it, it's hard. It's hard to kind of make that transition in your mind that this home life, which is usually a lot more casual and maybe less structured, is all of a sudden the place where I also have to get things done. And so giving them that grace as well to not always do it right the first time, <laughs> and to, uh, you know, as, as they gravitate towards other things instead of school, that's just what they're used to at home. And so uh, giving giving grace to both the teacher and the learner as we start off and, and start making those patterns of, of good learning at home. Yeah, definitely. I love that, Jenny. And I, Corey, I love your suggestion. I think uh, when you talked about um, teachers proactively seeking feedback from families periodically yeah. as this um, time period continues and checking in and um, asking, you know, what's working, what's not working, you know, what suggestions might you have? Because I'm on this side of the screen and you're on that side of the screen. You know, what, what thoughts or ideas do you have? I think, number one, that's just going to help um, everybody get to the best possible place. And number two, I think, uh, families, right, are are more likely to extend that grace when they know that you're seeking solutions right. and you're seeking improvement. Um, and I think, you know, so so an encouragement to teachers would be to, um, yeah, you know, create a form and ask people to submit feedback and and ask what's working as well as not what's working right. as well as you know what is not working because you're going to want to know those things too and you're and they're going to want to tell you. Um, but also to administrators to to give teachers the flexibility in the room to be able to to adjust things for their families accordingly, you know. So to to maybe not have such a prescriptive school wide schedule that it doesn't allow teachers to actually implement some of the feedback that they might get. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely we've got to, we've, we want to open that door. Um, it, we're going to get feedback as educators anyway, because parents are, are just like us looking out for the, the student's best interests of their own child. But if we open up that door and give them a place like, you know, fill out this form, you can email me, but this form I'm going to send out every two weeks as we get started, just so I can remind you in case you hadn't had a chance, because we might only hear the negative pieces if we say, you know, email me if you see a problem, right? We, we also yeah. want to hear what is working so I can make sure that as I change what didn't work, I don't take out the thing that was working. Yes. So, so yeah, I think making sure that we open that up. And um, again, we want some consistency for families. That's going to help them be successful. So let them know where that consistency is, where those priorities are as far as when they need to be online or when things are due, and then um, give them a space to also be able to ask questions and, and be constructively engaged in this transition process. Because we are still very much transitioning. This is no longer online emergency teaching. Uh, it's much more intentional, but it's still a learning curve. Everybody's a new teacher this year. It really is. So, um, all right, ladies. Well, I want to thank you so much for um, joining us today and sharing some of your insights as former, former virtual teachers, as parents of kids who are learning from home at different levels. Um, I know I lean on you two a lot as we talk about the things that are going well and not so well and where I need tips. And so um, I'm excited that the, the audience today got to listen in on some of, some of your wisdom. So well, same back to you, Corey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't have it all together, but we can at least tell you what doesn't work. So that's yeah. right. <laughs> and we can keep our kids from showing the kitchen counter. That's right. That's right. I don't know if anybody noticed, but I did snap a couple of times that my, my two girls came in and they were arguing as they walked in and I was like, hello. <laughs> so, you know, it's, we, we by no means have it completely together here as Sydney moms, but we're working on it. So we're all just trying to make it, but it's so nice to find a community of people who are, who are also trying to do that and we can mm -hmm. kind of be in it together, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right, ladies. Well, I will see you all um, soon. And we've got a couple of meetings together throughout the day. Everyone else, thanks for joining us today for season two, episode two of the Coach Replay Show. Again, you can download this week's notes and takeaways um, from learn.sydney.com. Find it in the show notes if you're listening on the podcast. Uh, ladies, I'll see you again soon. Thank you. Thanks, Corey. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Tune in next week for another episode.